Hello, traveler. Please, have a seat while I tell you the tale of the Prismatic Guard, starring Abby O'Neill as the combustible and often confused tiefling alchemist, Flint Therai, Jason Hops as the old veteran, Robarth Mirax, a dragonborn warlock with a mysterious patron, Jerry Evans as an affable historian, the halfling bard, Roscoe Suitfoot, and Ashley McLean as the carefree but determined Ottervok Samurai, Margo. Hosted by Eli Royal, join us on a tale of a world still recovering from a great war that changed everything. Hello, you're listening to We Play RPGs. I'm your host, Eli, joined by... Hi, I'm Abby. I play Flint Thurai. I'm Jason, and I play Robarth Mirax. Name is Jerry, and I play Osco Suitfoot. My name is Ashley, and I play Margo. And this very special episode is brought to you by getting very emotionally attached to your characters and the NPCs around them. Hey folks, it's Eli here with a quick ad break. This episode was recorded before our sponsor, Metallic Dice Gaming, came along. And uh, I personally bought their gold and purple metal dice, their uh, metal and its gold plating on the edges and numbers with uh, purple enamel in the middle, and I love them. They've uh, got your traditional dice, they've got metal dice, and they even have these stone dice, and uh, I'm about to get me some of that, them amethyst, test, test, test. <laughs> amethyst dice myself. Uh, go to MetallicDiceGames.com and use the coupon code PLAYITFORWARD for 10% off anything in the store. Uh, Alright, back to the episode. Listen, this is a fine thing to do. You're just rude. For our listeners, it's been a week. For us, it's been about five minutes. Give or take, yes. And I am still better... We're still traumatized. Yes. You know, honestly, I we should have we should have just left we should have just left them thinking it was an actual week for all of us, and we've just been holding on to these feelings for an entire week. You're right. That would have been amazing. Like, like I'm just going. I'm just spending the week going back and forth from my apartment, going fucking Eli, man, that fucking Eli. A week from now, I'm going to tell him exactly how I feel, and then don't. <laughs> man, this whole time I've been guilt tripping myself for just throwing Sven into the fire, but. You know, <laughs> this thing is on fire. God. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> so, well, if not, so if not now, then swim. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, you, you spend some, you lose some. It's a sink or spin world. I mean,. <laughs> Uh, Sven died. <laughs> so, last time, you guys managed to save the world. Again. But at the cost of Sven's life. And Roscoe, make a history check. Actually, everybody make a history check. History checks? Yes. Okay. Finally a good roll. 16. 13. Flint got a 16. 13. Alright. Margot and Rovarth, you don't really pick up on it, but Flint and Roscoe, you guys are reminded 
of the story of Nim Galore, in which the city you came from is, and the kingdom you're in are named after. Nem Galore was the first dwarf, and he lived for close to a thousand years. But in his old age, there was a mine collapse, and the collapse was caused by Forog. And Nem Galore traded his life for the lives of the miners. And you're pretty sure that that's what Sven did. Traded his life for the life of others. This doesn't make Flint feel better. From a historical standpoint, it does give Roscoe comfort, though. I mean, History yeah, is cyclical. But, like, yeah. History. it's still not. Rovarth puts a hand gently on Flint's shoulder. It's okay. He went out how he wanted to. God's damned hero. He went by his own terms. Not everyone gets such a luxury. I don't know. I still felt like I could have done more. And Amir just walks up to Margot and kind of pushes his head into her. That's the curse of being an adventurer. We will always be left thinking we can do more good, sir. And the best we can do is enough. And that radiant light that served you in the battle fades away. And Rovarth, you return to normal, but you're exhausted in pretty much every way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to also, because um, I was going through my, my inventory to see what items I have. I'm going to take out my scale mail and the little bag of sand I have and I'm going to place them by where the portal was and I'm assuming it's hard earth right it's not like yeah it's stone dig yeah it's stone I'm just gonna prop them up and I'm going to Amir can dig it oh well I'll I'll ask Amir if he can dig it like a small pit yeah he'll walk over and do that and I'll I'll bury my old scale, my armor, and I'll bury this little bag of sand with it. Because I know dwarves like their frickin' stone. And carve into the uh, the stone, basically. Here lies Sven. He died a hero. Alright. I'm gonna give a quick clipped military salute, and what are we doing, guys? I've made my respects. Flint's like, Flint is just like super misty-eyed right now. Like, he wants to go home. Like, he says that, like, I want to go home. I understand to want to go home, but we do have to finish what we came to do. Margaret just goes over to Rovarth and just, like, pats him. Yeah. She's just trying to, she doesn't have anything to say, really. She just hugs his leg. (laughs) I know. I'll, like, <laughs> ruffle her head. She's just so adorable. I'm just imagining, like, a little toddler just hugging your dad's leg. Well, and I imagine Flint is standing there, like, fidgeting worse than he has in a while. Because he wants to give Rovarth a hug. But oh, come on, Elric now. was never really a hugging person. I'll just reach out, grab Flint, and pull him in. Uh, Flint kind of freezes for a second and he kind of like, before you think he's like, you're about to let go, and he just kind of like, like, tries to start like, squeezing real hard around your chest. Ah, Rovarth and his two 
two rowdy, rowdy kids. Robarth <laughs> and his two and his two vaguely criminal children. Not well, what, you're vaguely. Margot is not. Yeah, let's say no, no vaguely yeah. about Margot. Well, I mean, I was combining them together, which is why I said vaguely, because you know, pair. His two partially criminal children. So, now that that's done for now, what are we doing? Because well, the we... cave map's not there anymore. Have we pretty much looked everywhere we can look? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so you guys haven't we... searched too hard because you were more concerned about clearing out the cultists, okay. but can, you've can explored do... everywhere. Can I do just like a random final perception or search check just just see if there's anything we missed? <laughs> Sure. Because we did, we did, because after we took care of this stuff, our, our other objective was finding what we could find and then bringing back what we could bring back. Yeah, yeah. finding artifacts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Should we all do that then? Or no? You can. Okay, let me go ahead and do that too. 20 perception. Zero perception. That is amazing. Flint got a nine. What? Margo got a 10. To be fair, to be fair, all three of you are kind of emotionally distraught. Yeah, Roscoe is, out of all of you, the best equipped to sort of disassociate himself from that for the moment. Well, it's my flaw once I pick and come obsessed with the detriment of everything else. Yep. Uh, so everybody else emotions, just doesn't really... Emotions. Yeah, everybody else doesn't really care. Um, but Roscoe, yeah. you find plenty of stuff. Okay. You know, a bunch of books, and and because this is underground, there's not really any moisture. Well, there is some moisture, but not a lot. Uh, right. Things tend to keep a lot longer. Right. Yeah, and the other thing I do is I protect and preserve as I find it. So of course I'm going to look for anything that has value, <laughs> historical value. <laughs> there is actually a lot of writings about the cult of uh, uh, not Ashku. Forog. Well, it's historic, so I collect it. And uh, you guys kind of looks at it and goes, look just let the doors deal with it. It's coming with us. That's what I meant. Like, let them decide what they want to do. Oh well. But this does have historical value and of greater importance, so hopefully what they decide to do with it is to preserve. Because all history, both good and deserves to be preserved. Alright. Luckily, you guys don't encounter anything in the wilds of the tunnels on your way back. But when you finally get back to the palace, because you, you get back to Nemgalor City rather early in the day, and I assume you guys just kind of go straight to the palace. Exhausted and as weary as you are, yes. <laughs> yeah. And you guys get there, and the attendant immediately says, Weren't there five of you? Sven. Sven didn't make it. And what would you like me to do with your dragon? Uh, and look to Margot. He's part of our party. He's our friend. He's Margot's baby boy. If there is some reasonable <laughs> way we can house the dragon, we would, Amir, we would appreciate it. The attendant goes, I mean, as long as Amir behaves himself, he's more than welcome to go with you. 
very well. You, I assure you, will behave well. Yes, he'll behave. All right, you guys, uh, you you know are led through the same rigmarole as before. The royal aides are like, well, why don't you take a break? You know, rest, take a sh- you know, get a bath, that kind of stuff. And you guys are eager to go home, uh, so they put you in a meeting with the queen. And, you know, you're in the same meeting room as before, and she goes, I'm told that Sven Gunsberg did not return with you. Sven died so Forag would not make his way into this world. And at that, the advisors all kind of start talking at once, and the queen just holds up her hand and they all silence. She goes, I would like you to tell me the entire story. And I will proceed to tell her the entire story. And I will occasionally refer to Roscoe's notes, as I'm sure he has plenty. Plenty of notes, and of course he has the he has books from the from there to show that to have as evidence of what we went up against. <laughs> yeah. The Queen, you know, one of the advisors is like, This cannot be true. There's not it's not possible that a portal to Vray Caverns could be under our nose for so long and the queen says and yet here they are so perhaps the possible the impossible is more possible than we think we shall not discuss terms on the artifacts tonight you will rest you will be fed you will return to sven's home you will inform his daughter and you will stay long enough for the funeral and then Understood. we will discuss. Very well. Flint just kind of nods. And as you guys are leaving, the queen says, Mr. Mirax, if I may have a word. Of course. And you stay behind and she dismisses her advisors. And she walks up to you and holds your hand and says, I know that Sven was very important to you and you were very important to him. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for your loss. I I appreciate the gesture. I think the thing I take solace most in is that he went out on his own terms. That's all I have to say. For an old war horse like Sven Gunsberg, I imagine dying a hero was the best way to die. Yeah. Yeah, I did that as well. Rovarth kind of looks off to the distant, teary-eyed. And she pats his shoulder and says, Try to rest, Rovarth Mirax. You've earned it. And I nod and head out of the chamber. Predictably, Hilda is distraught, to put it mildly. It takes quite a bit for her to be fully convinced that this isn't some sort of cruel joke. And she's doubly distraught to hear that her uncle is responsible for her father's death. And despite eating and bathing, nobody really sleeps. I have a question for you, Eli. Yeah. How much normally would the family be compensated if Sven were to die in battle during the war? Make a history check. Because we have a lot of money. It only feels right. Fourteen. 
you know that his surviving family would receive his military pension. And that's, as far as the war goes, that's pretty much it. That's crap. You imagine, because of the way Sven died, they'll probably take care of Hilda. And actually, Roscoe, make a history check for me. Okay. No, that's a six. Yeah, it's finally um, gotten to you, Roscoe. Because so far, every adventure you've been on, you've never lost anybody. And you're a relatively young man. Mm-hmm. You know, so you haven't outlived any of your human friends yet. And it's it's kind of hitting you how dangerous your life is. And even beyond that, at the fact that your best friends here you're going to outlive them probably by a century. Right. So you're a little... You know, Rovarth asks is asking you a couple questions about Dwarven society, and it's just rough. Right. Before we leave Hilda's house, I'm going to write a note. Basically, it just says how how good serving with Sven was, not only during the war, but also in our expedition and i'm gonna discreetly as discreetly as i can uh leave 400 gold for her all right well you know you don't have to worry about that right now because you were gently ordered by the queen to attend the funeral to stay into the funeral i'm just letting you know that once we do that before i forget i'm going to, to do that yeah the funeral is normally they would burn the body on a pyre. And obviously they can't do that. But there is a big speech by the priest of Aerograt. The queen doesn't say anything, but she does attend. And afterwards, so afterwards, there's, just like in most funerals, there's an incredibly somber party. And Hilda's kind of off by herself, just letting people walk up and give their respects. And uh, the queen approaches your group and says, Do any of you have any idea what uh, Sven would have wanted for his daughter? I don't think he said anything, did he? I don't know. And we're so focused on the portal, I don't think anything of that nature ever arose. Um, um, out of character, hmm. how old is the daughter again? She's 14. Oh, man. Oof, I didn't realize she was that young. Roscoe um, looks at Robarf and just says, give us a second. And bring can, I, aside. can I make a check to see if I would... Uh, You can make... Actually, I'm not going to make you make a check. He told you to take care of Hilda. That was the very last thing he said to you. Take care of Hilda. Yeah, I remember now. As he was going through the portal, he said, take care of Hilda. Yeah. And the queen nods and says, it is probably best that she be released into your care. The shame of her uncle and the glory of her father, too many, too many political opportunities for anyone who would seek to adopt her now. We have a nice house up in uh, Seoul. Yes. 
He is correct. We do. We keep a good house. We keep good company. She would do fine there. Gonna have to kick Raul out, Margo. Well, I mean, he doesn't live there. He just comes to visit. Well, then he's gonna have to stop visiting. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) We have to be responsible adults and role models. And Flint's just like, oh god, how do I do this? The queen smiles a bit and says, she is a misfit now. Seems appropriate she would make her family among misfits. I can teach her some cool stuff. You will do no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Margot says that, and Roscoe says that, and the queen can't stop herself. She just starts laughing. Where if, if 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 a future if a future role playing event I walk into this house and and she and Hilda are both noodle dancing I'm rolling a new character that's that's just all there is to it. Like, Roscoe Ros- taught me. Oh, Roscoe just looks in a mirror and says, "You did this," and vicious mocks himself to death. <laughs> <laughs> are you happy delightful. now? <laughs> She's gonna teach you how to pick locks. <laughs> I mean, we could teach her alchemy. (laughs) I love it. I will teach her (laughs) self-defense. And And Roscoe will keep her schooled. She's going to be a badass. Her house just keeps going. Don't forget about Amir. He was supposed to live with Sven. No, he's coming with us. He's my baby. Marco's changed her mind. He's Marco's baby boy. Yes. Yeah, I don't think we're getting. I don't think we're getting rid of Amir. We'll have a dragon, and when I turn into a dragon, I'll have a dragon. <laughs> dragon, dragon. <laughs> Yo, dog. We heard you like dragons, so we turned you into a dragon, so you can dragon while you dragon. You really are dragon daddy. Like you're dragon daddy to a dragon. Uh, <laughs> first Flint, now Flint, Margo, now Flint, Margo, and Hilda, now Flint, Margo, Hilda, and Amir. Well, Robot is father to all of them, so... This is delightful. Congratulations on your actual stumbling... Congratulations Eli, on y'all's growing Can I just say family. this is never what I intended when I made Robar? This was just <laughs> to Grandpa, not, not nice father. <laughs> You're the favorite dad. You're like the cool, grumpy grandpa none of us ever had. Oh, I love it. So, the next few days to a week is spent getting everything ready... You guys have to get a, a second wagon for Amir and, of course, Hilda and her things. Uh, the queen assures Hilda that if she would, when she's an adult, if she would like to return, Sven's home will still be there for her. And uh, you guys have quite a bit of bargaining power when it comes to the uh, artifacts. And, you know, you should be handing over most of that gold. But the queen just makes an executive decision and decides that you get to keep it. I very much like the queen. But at what cost? Yeah. Oh, I know what, the emotional well, cost. Sucks, what like, is the price like of a Sven? Well, how much gold do we have? That will be our answer. So. <laughs> um, I love it. So far, don't, the answer is a lot. Don't yeah. spend it all in one place. <laughs> oh, no! No! They might go on a spending spree. I I, I hate uh, you guys and your freaking pun. I hate that I'm laughing at it. <laughs> anyway. So 
you, yep. <laughs> so basically the agreement is you guys will take some of the writings and transcribe them. You know, or they'll let Betton transcribe them and he sends them back and then they'll send some more. Okay. Uh, so it'll be kind of a trade-off. Because uh, that's really all you guys found. You didn't find much traditional artifact-wise that was yeah. salvageable. But at least we found something. Indubitably. And most importantly, we stopped evil from winning. So. Yes. Yes. No. And Sven now we get... stopped evil from winning. We just helped him. Well, by helping, we stopped evil from winning. What's not? What's not split hairs here? Um, we did our part. Yeah. So it it takes you guys the same amount of time to get back as you did before. Did you guys want to stop at that work village and see how they're doing? Stop where? Uh, stop at check out the orc village. Yeah, I would. I would be down to check on. Yeah, I'd like to see how that's going. Let's just casually peer in and make sure nothing bad's happened. Since a little bit of sabotage. Hey, listen, and none why? of us got arrested for that. Well, it looks like the uh, tower construction has continued. And when you talk to the orcs, they say that with the mine down, that gave the mayor the leverage they needed to uh, force the engineer into creating some water filtration and better disposal of the mine waste so that it wasn't going directly into the river. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that, good sir. And actually, some of the... Yes, sabotage. Uh, yeah, some of the younger orcs have started properly trading. Because they, they do a lot of these uh, really cool... Because something that happens with orcs is that their tusks will fall out. And what they do a lot is they kind of carve them. It's like a regular thing, like how a warthog tusk kind of falls out sometimes. And then just grows back. And it's they're very pretty, and they've actually been selling them at a pretty good cost. The elder's not fond of it, but, you know, he believes that Vargan is a god of change, and this is change. Can I, like, get one? Because that sounds dope as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. They, uh, one of the much younger orcs, uh, a child. Which, children, they fall out a lot more often, had carved what appears to be an incredibly crude flint. <gasps> That's adorable! Oh my god! Ah! <laughs> oh my god, if that one offers it to Flint, he's gonna, Flint's gonna cry. There's gonna be tears. Well, Flint That's definitely cries. Hard. And Hilda and Amir are very interested in what's going on. They're they're fascinated by it. And of oh, course the orcs are Yeah, the orcs that's are just insane. uh like, is that a dragon? Uh <laughs> Margo buy one for Amir. Yeah. And Amir put them on necklaces. Yeah, Amir thinks it's awesome. But otherwise you guys have only minor events, you know, bandits here and there, the occasional wild animal. Otherwise your trip show up and I'm like Yeah. Like, really, dude? Really? For real? Just like, blast, blast, shatter. Yeah. It's just mocked to death. Yeah, that's most of it. Is Amir kind of like pokes his head out of the wagon. But, yeah, you guys, you guys get back to Seoul. 
And it's... Eh, life's kind of quiet. For a little while, at least. And our next adventure begins three weeks after you have returned to Seoul. Uh, which would put you guys in the summer, I think. So it's pretty warm. It's a whole lot warmer than Hilda or Amir are used to. They're just kind of sitting in their room with the with the window wide open, just kind of dying like sweaty puddles on the ground. Yeah, it's it's not great. Margo, adjusting to things since coming back has been pretty easy for you. You've dealt with a lot of loss in your life. Nothing quite like this, but a lot of loss. So you're mostly just trying to enjoy having the children around. And, you know, Ryle's spotted here and there. Not inside of the house so much as kind of digging through your garbage and occasionally being found inside of the wood stove of Flint's lab. It seems like he kind of like crawled through the chimney and got stuck. But he actually shows up to the front door this time and, you know, knocks. So who do you think would answer the front door? Roscoe would probably answer it. Well, you see uh, Rawl there and he goes, Hey, hey there, Roscoe. It's good to see you, buddy. Is uh, is Margo here? Yes, and thank you for actually using, you know, the door, good sir. I always right. use a door. Well, you know, he's had the, a crazy couple of months. <laughs> um, you wait right there. I'll go find Margo for you. Because Roscoe doesn't shout around the house. So Roscoe goes to wherever Margo may be. Margo, your um friend is here at the door of all places. Ross here? She just like scampers downstairs, runs past Roscoe. Hey, Ross. Hey, Margo. Hey, uh, is everybody in there cool? Yeah. All right. You know, gotta be sure. He walks inside and he goes, I got a, I got a big job, but I need your help. Okay. I'm ready. And just oh you God, can't trust any of these guys. Okay. Especially them. And he just points at the uh, jar of ashes or on the uh, 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 mantle. They're always watching. What on earth? Okay, Raul. What's the job? Uh, I can't talk about it here. Meet me at the High and Mighty Room. Noon, tomorrow. High and Mighty Room? Really? Hey, I'm moving up in the world. And he walks out. Okay. Isn't that like a fancy restaurant? Make a history check for me. She got a 13. You're pretty sure the High and Mighty Room is a tea room in Tall Town. Okay. He said meet him in there. Alright. And Roscoe, you've been adjusting about as well as you can with two brand new children in the house. But, you know, I mean, you've right. been dealing with Margo and Flint for a while, so it's almost like training. Like training and slightly better behaved in Margo and Flint, I yeah. would like to think. And, and the next day after Rawl's visit, you're trying to wrangle everybody for breakfast when there's a uh, another knock at the door. I'm trying to make pancakes. I'm trying to get everybody to sit down for pancakes. I got it. We're knocking wow. the door. Thank you, Rovarf. Oh, no, I gotta flip the pancake. Oh, it's on the floor. 
Margaret runs over and eats it. And Yarsel is kind of standing there and goes, "Um, Mr. Suitfoot, I I can cook. Uh, I know, but this is what I enjoy. I just, it's usually what I enjoy doing when it's just me, apparently. Trying to cook for multiple. He slides out of the way so she can pancake. Yeah. Rovarth, you answer the door and there's a Mm -hmm. messenger. He goes, uh, I have a letter for Mr. Roscoe Suitfoot. Uh, Roscoe, it's for you. I'll I'll take care of the pancakes. No, Yarsel. Yarsel <laughs> goes. No, no, Mister Mirax, that's fine. I've got it. Uh, I'll, Let her cook. I'll, Let her I'll cook. take the letter from the courier. I will thank him, and then I will go and give it to Roscoe. Did you give the courier a tip? Cougar? Yes, I pay. I pay him a gold. Well, hot damn! <laughs> oh I have God. a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> You're not like chintzy. That's great. Roscoe, it's a letter from someone, it's from someone who just calls themselves a dear friend, mm-hmm. um, but they're asking you to join them for brunch today at a restaurant called the Bread and Butter Lunchroom, which you can make a history check to see what you know about that. The Bread and Butter Lunchroom. I like bread. I like butter. But this history check would determine who like lunch. Come on, roll. Eh, lunch. Okay. Ten. You're pretty sure that that's a tea room in Gloomtown on the edge of the rail yard. And when did it want me to join? Uh, today for brunch. Okay, today for brunch. All right. Interesting. Well, it's a public place, so no harm. And there's no harm in this. And also, it means you can dump the children on Rovarth and Flint. Speaking uh-huh. of, you guys have to pay Yarsel more. That's fine. It's just fair. So, so Rovar and Flint, I need you. To, I need you two to do me a favor today. Sure, what's up? I have a friend who wants to. Ha- I'm going to go have brunch with a friend, so I need you to t- help keep Hilda and Ear entertained. Okay. okay. I have my I utmost miss- confidence that Rovar can do it. <gasps> this is fair. Uh, have you but- not read my? Oh uh, no! When he says that, he looks at Flint and winks. Like you fell asleep last time I told you a story. Yes, well, you should have picked a better story. <laughs> oh, oh man, friendly fire! <laughs> that was the story of me fighting like... for my life. <laughs> Damn! Oh my god, someone get someone over some burn. Oh, if I was just an asshole, I'm gonna set it with fine story until it didn't have the ending I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, why are we just destroying Rovarth this session? Um, well, anyway, uh, later on in the day, there is yet another knock at the door. It's a busy morning. Uh, Flynn answers it. It appears to be Curtis Boyle. Oh, no. And he says, uh, he says, Hi. Mr. Therai, just the man I was here to see. Here. And he hands you a piece of paper with an address on it. Is, you're familiar with the Royal Kitchen, I assume? Which you are, because that's where you met him. And he yes. says, uh, I'll meet you there in two hours. Have a good day. And he turns around uh, and walks away. Uh, how do I... Oh god, how do I tell Rovarth this? Oh my god. <laughs> well, Rovarth, 
since you've been yeah. put in charge of the children. Um, yeah. Hilda, she's had her moments, but it's been very, very hard for her to adjust. And she's mm-hmm. been spending a lot of her time in her room. And Amir is having mm-hmm. even more trouble adjusting. Although they do actually seem to find comfort with each other. And you guys have actually hired contractors to start putting in a small basement for Amir's room. Mm-hmm. Because he is most comfortable underground. And while at the house, Masak Wen, which the two of you have had several very fun dates. Mm-hmm. She suggests that Rovarth and her take the kids into the crown and, you know, just kind of get them out of the house for the day. Try and have some right. fun. I mean, I don't see why not. I, th- I think they'll need it. Aww, Rover's on a date! So cute! And it goes well. You know, you take the kids to a show and, you know, buy some lunch and some, you know, little things from street vendors here and there. And, you know, it's more money than you would care to spend. It's only, but it's only 12 gold. But, you mm-hmm. know, you're old. You remember when you could buy a whole month's groceries for just a silver. Yep. That seems to be how you've been spending your day. Just hanging out on the date. Keeping the kids safe. They're probably like, ew, gross, those old people are kissing. Well, Amir's mentally a little too young to really care. But Hilda does kind of like roll her eyes a lot. And back to Margot. When you arrive at the High and Mighty Room, the host seems unenthused to see you. And she says, May I help you, Miss... Margot? Yes. My friend Rawl should be here. Ah, yes. Mr. Rawl. And she leads you to a table in the back of the restaurant. And sitting at the table is Rawl, a kobold you don't recognize, and a large ox folk. And Rawl says, uh, uh, Ah, Marco, you're here. This is uh, Stormclaw and Tyrion. Stormclaw is only a little bit bigger than you. He dresses in very simple, earth-toned, flowy clothing. He's a uh, swamp kobold. With these grayish green scales, a small mohawk of black spines, and a short snout, but his eyes are a bright, solid yellow. And he has these dark crimson tribal tattoos that circle his limbs and face, and he just nods at you. What was his name again? Stormclaw. And Tyrion is a large oxfolk woman. She dresses, she's dressed like a railway worker, honestly. And she's got light brown fur and large horns with steel caps. And she says, wait a minute. Let let me get this straight, Raw. That's your muscle. What are you trying to say? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if I wasn't paying attention, I might step on you. Step on my sword first. And Raw goes, all right, all right, let's calm down. We We got a job to talk about. Yeah, it's a good one, too. So here's the deal. There's this dwarf. Elric Vanheim, he's in Ashwood Penitentiary, right? And uh, I got somebody who's willing to pay us good coin to get him out. So we're going to break into a prison? Yeah. Don't we normally try to stay out of the prison? Well, you're not going to be there long. This is true. 
So here's the deal. You and Stormclaw, you get in, you take out who you gotta take out, you get this Elric guy, and then we leave. Tyrion's our getaway driver. This job will get us 300 gold each. That's awesome. What are you doing, Rolf, on this adventure? Well, I'm the guy in charge of everything. I know where where we're taking this Elric guy after we're done. Okay. And what is Margot's passive perception? It is under... It's at the underneath your skills. Oh, 16. Alright, so you definitely notice that when Rawl says 300 gold each, Stormclaw smirks. Are you trying to pull one over on me? Do you say that to Rawl? Yeah, to both of them. Because she's smirking. Stormclaw, he goes, I have no intention of lying to anyone. And Rawl goes, what? You, you think I would lie about money? Well, I've known you for a long time. Make a persuasion check real quick. Ah, seven? Damn. He goes, listen, I am hurt, alright? Hurt. And then Tyrion puts her very large hand on the table and kind of pushes down a little bit, and it causes the table to shift. And Rawl goes, okay, 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 fine. That was a test of your character. It's actually 400 gold each. Telling the truth this time? You can make an insight check. Damn it, a nine. You are pretty sure he's telling the truth. And he goes, alright, here's the plan. First things first. We gotta go to Clam. That's where the penitentiary is. We're gonna break into the home of the warden. It's this human guy, Malchus Oyer. Margo, it's your job to break in and get them files where Elric is in the prison so we're not just wandering around blind, right? And then Stormclaw interrupts and goes, It would probably also be wise for you to steal some valuables to create a smokescreen on what we're doing. That makes sense. I can steal some stuff. And Rawl tells you Ashwood is located outside a clam. And, uh, you know, it's about a, a ten-hour train ride to get there. But once we're there... Steal a cart and go to the prison. Margo, you, and Stormclaw, you're going to swim up the sewer pipe and get in. Once you have Elric, you got to get to the southwest exit, right? Once you get to that exit, I know where to go from there. Also, don't kill nobody. Can't afford that kind of heat. Also, uh, Margo, you might want to wear different armor. What are you trying to say? You stand out like a green and gold thumb. Oh, this is true. I can get different armor. Alright. So, uh, are we ready to go? Yeah, I just gotta get the armor first. Then I'm ready to roll. Alright, I'll meet you at the, uh, the south line in, uh, what, an hour? Sounds good. <clears throat> Alright. So then we're gonna jump over to Roscoe. Alright. Roscoe, when you arrive at the bread and butter, you immediately see Nanum Smoothscale. Oh, okay. Uh, he's dressed in the modern fashion of Emfu, which is causing him to stand out in Thar. And Nanum sees you and goes, Roscoe, my friend, come sit, sit. You, waiter, bring me more tea and coffee. The tea in this country, it is like water. I have to mix it with the coffee just to get any flavor. 
Well, I'm, I must say I'm surprised to find you up here, good sir. What brings you this way? Well, I'm interested in expanding the lightning rails into Enfu. After all, slavery is likely not to be legal for ever. And it would be good for me to, uh, what was it that the lawyer said, diversify my portfolio. Looking to get your hands on a few other pies. Well, there is a railway company here in Seoul that is uh, about to go belly up. And I would like to get my hands on it. I know that you live here. You're very persuasive. And I was hoping that you would help me in my negotiations with the railway owner and with the permits with the Tharian government. And of course, I would not leave you uncompensated. I would never disrespect you in such a way. Oh, I did not. I did not even felt the need that I would have to bring up such a subject. I figured you would already have that idea in mind, good sir. Ah, uh, this is why I like you. And also why I don't like lawyers. I understand. Lawyers. Lawyers have their place. Sometimes, though, that place needs to be a little bit further from me than I would like. And he laughs very boisterously at that. He goes, magnificent. Well, my first meeting is uh, in about four hours at the rail yard with the head of the pristine train company. Some human named Anyana Pina. Yeah, and you can make a history check to see what you know about the Pristine Train Company. Hopefully I know so- Hopefully, I know something. Seven. Yeah, you don't... Uh, it's, since you got back, you haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to that stuff. Yeah. But but I can do... But not right now, but before the meeting, can I do investigation yeah. on my own time just to learn a bit more? Yeah, sure. And Nanum says, uh, from what I understand, Pina is... Looking for investors, but I have no interest in investing. I only have an interest in purchasing. So basically, in their, for for their goals, they're trying to give. They're trying to give. They're trying to keep control while still having money put in. But for your purposes, you just want to buy them out completely. Precisely. I understand. If they were able to run their company, then I wouldn't have to buy them. If one is able to keep a grip, one should not be able to snatch it away from them. Precisely. So, before we have to leave, tell me, tell me, what has been happening with you? Roscoe takes a deep breath and says, well, for that, we're going to need more tea and coffee. All right. And uh, you guys are getting that done. And and Roscoe makes his order and Roscoe is going to tell him, explain the adventures he's been on since they've last discussed how he now has a child and a dragon. (laughs) And Nanum is immensely interested in the story. And we're going to jump over to Flint at the Royal Kitchen. Oh no. Flint, you get to the Royal Kitchen and you are led into the same back room where you met Boyle the first time. However, this time there is a half-elf woman and a human man. Boyle says, Mr. Therai, this is Fred and Quinn. Fred is the human man. He's thin, and he smiles very friendly at you. Uh, He's dressed in leather armor and has a short sword on his hip. Quinn seems pretty average for a half-elf woman, uh, but she has these strikingly yellow eyes. Not solid yellow, just yellow. She doesn't appear to have any armor or weapons, and she just kind of looks at you. Hi. 
I mean, I say that, you know, trying to be more confident than I am. Yeah. Well, Boyle goes, everyone have a seat. So, the reason you're here is that there's a exotic animal collector in Tall Town who is smuggling some animals through the city. This collector, an elf named Jordan Durand, he hasn't paid the kings or the Barbellos to transport these animals. I have been asked to inconvenience the shipment. And Fred is uh, like, oh, inconvenience, huh? Maybe we uh, go in, cut some wires, cut a break or two, watch a crash, and Boyle just looks at him. And Fred goes, all right, all right, I'll let you finish. Boyle says, because we're not handling the smuggling, it's a little hard for us to know exactly what's in the shipment. But we do know that there's a clutch of sentry drake eggs. And I don't have to tell any of you how valuable those eggs are. So, the goal is to steal those eggs. If you can cause a little chaos in the happenstance, I won't be sad. And if you kill some of Duran's men, that's not a big deal. But if you kill any city guards, that is your problem. You will be left out to dry. This is fair. Mr. Therai, it is your job to disable the cart, after which you will help Quinn and Fred load up the cart. Fred will be driving. However, Quinn will be helping you occupy the guards while he is getting everything set up. It is an incredibly simple smash and grab. Any questions? When and where? Tonight. Near the wall. Well, I mean... Do we know anything else just from the outside? Like, how, how many guards are would be there? Or is that, like, something... Our intel is a little uh, spotty on that, but we are led to believe that there's only going to be four guards. You will have to be very quick, however, because near the main road and the gates, the city guard are very active. Understood. So, let's run through this. Mr. Therai... Any ideas on how to disable the cart? I could short-circuit things. It would force it to stop. They don't have electricity in the carts. Uh, oh, yes, this is true. Um, damage Melt the brakes? Melt the cartwheel. Melt the cartwheel. Melt the cartwheel, then, yeah. Was- Alright. Do you think you can be precise enough with your throw to damage the wheels and axles, but not the cargo? I want to say yes. I'm out of character. I'm- Flint would say yes, but like... Well, if Flint would say yes, then that's the answer to the question. The question's for Flint, not any sort of mechanics question. This should show, like, I am not good with this stuff as a person. (laughs) But yeah, like, Flint would say, yeah, he he would feel pretty confident in his ability to, like, you know, damage the axle without damaging the car. Good. Then we'll get you set up at sundown. And with that, we jump to Rovarth. Hilda and Amir are obviously feeling better, and you all are talking about going to a park when this shop catches your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and it catches your eye because it's just not as gaudy as every other shop in the crown. Alright, what's it What's it called? Antiquities and Artifacts. Alright, well, I guess we go into there. Do some browsing. Alright. It is filled to the brim. With very interesting items. Alright. I mean, what exactly do they have? Well, it's just a lot of 
you know, just general antique kind of things, you know, a lot of jewelry, the occasional swords, some toys, knickknacks, things like that. It's very neatly kept. There's just a lot of stuff. Um, okay. And the store owner is a cobalt woman named uh, Delilah R. Uh, what? <laughs> the, the character sheet minimized. I didn't know why. Oh. That's that's what happened. He said Delilah, Delilah R. A-U-R-E-R. Okay. I will walk up to the counter and be like, hello, this is this is quite the shop you have here. Well, thank you. I uh, quite pride myself on my wares. And Masak picks up this old doll and she says, uh, oh, I used to have a doll just like this when I was a child. And Delilah says, ah, yes, yes uh, they were quite popular about a hundred years ago. I'm surprised that you had one. She says, uh, yeah, it was my mother's, but we lost it house fire. Ah, uh, yes. That is quite the problem with the cloth dolls. The straw inside is very flammable. Uh, and Masek kind of holds it up to Hilda, like trying to get Hilda interested. And Hilda clearly does not care about no, that no, doll. No, she's 14. Yeah. <laughs> However, what she does find is a very pretty short sword. I was going to ask, what is Hilda interested in? Yeah. Um, Amir, however, is interested in the doll. Okay. Little baby. May I might ask, where exactly do you get all these from? Well, I'm located in the Crown, and there are quite a lot of traveled people here. Oh, good to know. How much for the for the doll and the sword? Oh, that sword. It's a very interesting piece. You know, that is actually from the Theranak Revolution. It belonged to General Alexandra Thorpe. And you can make a, a DC-20 history check to see what you know about that. So long ago. I have it, no it idea. It was, like, close to a thousand years ago. <laughs> I have no idea. Just nod along, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah the five, five doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> I, I need to ask Roscoe about this when I get back. <laughs> and she says, uh, Ah, oh, that sword goes for only 200 gold. All right. I will I will pay the 200 gold. And she sees a mirror with the doll and she says, You may have the doll. We'll consider it part of the cost of the sword. I understand oh, how strange a culture like Soul can be for a young dragon. It is very different from how your young friend would normally have grown up. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Amir's just very interested I'm in just it. like... And How do you know about dragon culture, ma'am? Oh, dragon culture specifically, I don't know, but cobalt culture is very, very different from human culture. The doll's name is Dorothy. It is very important for a doll to keep their name. That's a weird thing to say. That is a very weird thing to say. I got vibes, man. I got bad vibes. Well, I'm going to thank Miss Delilah, and we are going to begin heading back. And then I'm immediately going to t cast Detect Magic on that doll the second we're out of the shop. Okay. Uh, you don't detect anything. Okay. And with your bad vibes, this episode is over. You got some pluggables? I have a Twitter and Instagram. Both are elvenly underscore e. It a lot of, you know, funny stuff, hopefully. And cats. 
very cute cats. Yeah, that's I have a, a YouTube channel that is uh, Erisil Prime, E-R-A-S-Y-L space P-R-I-M-E, where I record various uh, Let's Plays, some of them RPG-related. There's always at least one RPG series going on, uh, because I like RPGs, in case you couldn't tell. If I didn't like them, I would not be on this podcast. That's it. As per usual... On Twitter, I'm Jarius underscore Jer, where I talk pro wrestling. I post costume pictures, food, cute animals like raccoons and possums, and occasionally cows. Then I'm on Instagram at Jerry Jerry Quite Contrary. J-E-R-I is how Jerry is spelled. And there I post cute animal pictures, gardening, food, costumes, just fun stuff. Come enjoy. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram. Twitter and TikTok under Am Cosplay Queen. And you can find me softly whispering in your ear to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Royal Artisan Props and on Twitter at Royal Props and on TikTok at one of those two places. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this part of our tale, Traveler. Please, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever fine pods are cast. You can find us online at WePlayRPGs.com, on Facebook and Twitter at WePlayRPGs, and on Patreon at WePlayRPGs Podcast. Your patronage is what keeps this podcast alive.